In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Welcome back to Not Another True Crime Podcast. I'm Sarah Levine. And I'm Danny Murphy. You know us, your partners in wine, crime, and time. And also, I don't know about you, boosters and flu shots, because I got both of them in the same arm. The woman said, you're very- That's brave. She said, Well, she said it's the smart thing to do, because she was like, would you want neither of your arms to work tomorrow or just one? And I was like, you know what? When you give it to me like that, um, I did the one, but I did it in my dominant arm. So I don't know why I'm just playing Wait, your myself. dominant arm? Why? Because- because I'm a people pleaser and it was the one closer to her and I didn't want to like, I didn't want to like, tar- I was just like, oh my God, whatever you think is best girl. And we were vibing so much that I was like, I don't want to like ruin the vibe of this woman. Oh I'll probably never see again. Danny has a dead arm. I know. Uh, but not a dead soul or boys. Not. <laughs> and that's what's important. Yeah. Well, Wait, also, Sarah, I'm excited for this because A, we haven't had like just like an episode of us in a minute because we've been very popular, mm, which is mm-hmm. very fun. But I feel like yes. uh, this man that we're about to uncover, both of us have tried separate times, I feel like for the past year to unpack. <sighs> and I don't know how you got the energy to actually complete the performance. It took me weeks. <laughs> and then still I was like, Danny, you have to take it over the finish line. I can't fucking and, do this anymore. And then thankfully the finish line was just all the like, bows just wrapping everything in bows so that i was happy to do i was happy to be uh oh my the, god the, the i was just like yeah i got to his like 17th billion crime and i was like no more enough <laughs> he really it's impressive it's 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 a uh, captive it's impressive it is kind of impressive because he got started young we're talking about barry minko i don't even know how to describe him but he i like i feel like i i found his wikipedia and it was like entrepreneur turned scammer with ties to the mob turned pastor turn and i was like ooh like okay i'm intrigued ooh, that, that's the thing cuz it's like uh the amount of twists and turns if he just did one of them it would be an episode but because oh he did yeah. 500 of them we probably are going to have to break this up into a part un and part deux kind of like the series <laughs> finale of sex in the city like 17 yeah parts. true this should have, we should have just made this a mini series but alas here we are I know. Oh my God. We're going to have to do like a to be continued, like the real housewives. Yeah. <laughs> but let's just get jump right into it because there's oh, so much ground oh, to cover. Yeah. So, our boy Barry Minko was born in Inglewood, California, and he was the youngest of three children born to Robert and Carol Minko. They were raised in the San Fernando Valley, uh, where they moved when Barry was four. And his dad, Robert, worked as a real estate broker and a night foreman. And then Carol worked for a carpet cleaning company. And this is where Barry got his big ideas. Mm -hmm. He was a little inspired. Family business, but make it it very different. Yeah. So when Barry was nine, um, Carol was able to get him a summer job as a telemarketer because she couldn't afford a babysitter. So... can I say <laughs> what are the child labor laws? That is so like so like resourceful in one way, but also it's just very, very much like the sixties. 
I feel that just 60s and 70s where I'm just like, uh, go to work and smoke a cigarette. I can't watch you. That's, I mean, Sam Lipman I think, did work at that telemarketing place when he was underage, That's but true. I don't think he, he was not nine, nine years old. I didn't, like, <laughs> nine, and you're using phones and like clock. Imagine like a nine year old clocking in. It's like the movie Big. <laughs> also, I do feel though, when I was like a nine year old, I was so unafraid of using the phone. Oh. I would just call my friends' landlines and their parents would pick up and I'd be like, oh, is so and so home? And like, it was no issue. Wait, that's true. It's probably the best day. And also when you're not, like, you can't, any person who's like, like, kids don't take no, too. If you're like, oh, do you want this? No, I'm okay. Well, why? Well, why? Well, why? I feel they would why you into purchasing whatever telemarketing things. So actually, maybe, yeah. Wait, actually true. So who knows? <laughs> Still against labor, labor laws. I was like, should we? But I'm just saying, I under I could see Barry being successful at that. Yes. And so he later would recall in an interview that there was a time the family's phone got shut off because they couldn't pay the bill. So I guess it made sense to send him to work, even if it was illegal. He also spent two years at a military school, which is where Barry said he got the drive to become wealthy. Also where he got his nose broken eight times. So popular guy. Oh, eight. Like, at that point, does it just like break in and out of place again? Or (laughs) I don't know. I used to wish for my nose to break one time uh, so I could get a free nose job. <laughs> you should have gone to military uh, school. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. I I think I'm like my likable, so I don't think anybody would punch me in the That's face. That's true. I don't. I I don't know if it's like. I guess he. I guess I feel like you could. I could see Barry from what we learn unpack about him. I could see him bringing punching in noses to himself. But I also feel like military school. Maybe sometimes uh-huh. like swings just swung. I don't know. Uh, so he had an entrepreneurial spirit and founded a carpet cleaning business when he was just 15, working out of his parents' garage. Take that Taylor Swift. When she was 15, she was singing about Abigail. He made a business. <laughs> don't come for us, Swifties. They're both, both very impressive. Oh, they're so, oh, I, I flew across the country to the Eras tour, so don't, a Swiftie better not try to come for me. I, I put in my miles. <laughs> So Barry started the business with $6,200, four phones, three employees, and a dream. (laughs) That last part I added for effect. (laughs) And he got it. He got the money um, because he'd saved it up from the carpet cleaning that he would do on evenings and like the telemarketing over the summers and stuff. So he called it. We're going to spell it out first. Mm -hmm. Z, four Zs. Z, 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 best. But it's pronounced Z best. -best. Thank God. Because I was like. Z best of Z best. I was like, is it Z-Best? No, it's so. Z-Best. No, it's the Beehive. The Beehive, yeah. Yeah. This is like just wacky. He said he put one Z for every kid he wanted to have. Huh? And that's why he named it that. Uh. That's that's like That reminds me of that line in the office where like Michael Scott is getting interviewed as a kid and he goes, I want to have a hundred kids so I can have a hundred friends and nobody can say no to being my friend. <laughs> And the little puppet interviewing him is just like, John. <laughs> Wait, very. If Michael's got embarrassment, come. I feel like there's like a Venn diagram, and it's just like crime is the thing that is separates them. There could be some synergy, some synergy there. And th- so his business was actually really smart because at this time in in this area of California, there weren't really like those big carpet cleaning companies. Like where where the fuck was Stanley Steamer? Like where was Empire? Carpet you know, I guess they cleaner. didn't exist. Well, also, it's funny. He's exactly. like taking his mom out of business. <laughs> yeah, right? And it was all these like little mom and pop places. 
But there were like so many consumer complaints because these businesses would just bait and switch people all the time. So they would advertise a really low price and then be like, oh, yeah, but like what we need to. So like, oh, it'll cost you like X amount of money. But what we need to do at your place doesn't cover this. And Uh, then like jack it up. Yes. So he disrupted the industry, girl bossing. Um, with a flat fee, he would clean two rooms of carpet for thirty nine ninety five. Oh, good, pr- I mean, a good price now. I mean, insane price now. I feel like that's probably a good price back then. Probably a good price. So he would call prospective customers, and then he had a friend drive him out to do the work because he was too young to drive. <laughs> I love that. And then he also hired his mom and dad. First of all, I am thirty almost 32 i don't want to work like i can't imagine being a teenager and wanting to work this hard That's like true. oh my god yeah it's almost 32 very soon um but i know like the energy and the drive and the hustle is very commendable it is and then i just uh so he also hired his mom and dad to work with him and i just had to include this line from the la times <laughs> In a rap music videotape that employees made for Barry's 21st birthday, Robert Mingo rapped, Now I know I raised me a gem. Happy birthday, son. You're 21 and all the fun has just begun. Alexa, play L to the OG. <laughs> oh, yours is actually doing it. Oh, shit. It's like, no. no, Alexa, stop. <laughs> no. She's now involved. She's like, you asked for. She said, be careful what you wish for, Sarah. <laughs> oh, my God. Keep that in. That's, That's amazing. Funny. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay so that's that's what we're working with so um barry graduated high school in 1984 being voted most likely to succeed and class clown which like get you a man that can do both dream dream combo and by the time he graduated z best had 80 employees in three offices so like shouts out that's like insane he yeah he also decided to hire a ghostwriter so he could publish a book titled Making It in America, 18 years old and a million dollars. Can I say I respect, too, that he's like, you know, I know my strengths and I know my weaknesses. Carpet cleaning? Yes. Yeah. Writing? No. Let me get a ghostwriter. No. The book was 136 pages. You know what? That's all you need sometimes. <laughs> I love it. It's like halfway between a pamphlet and a book. <laughs> and then he also hired a PR firm to get him good press. So he was profiled in Entrepreneur Magazine with the headline, 18-year-old cleaning mogul makes the rules and plays by them. I love that because it's like a good boy instead of like, because usually it's like mogul breaking the rules. He's like, no, I'm just going to make some rules. Thank you. And then he also got a commendation from the mayor of LA, 1985. He was once called the Rocky of rug cleaning. And he even appeared on Oprah. That's when you know. An Oprah seal of approval. Everyone's going to want to be using his cleaning services. Kind of probably right now, like, do you guys just talk about like carpet cleaning now? Like, is this I know, like, like, is this a business is podcast? Like, could you imagine? We're just like, yeah, like Bethany Frankel joins. We're like, yeah, we're just going to talk entrepreneurship and everything. Mm. <laughs> Unfortunately, the look of horror the, in the my eyes. Of, <laughs> like blank screen appears on the Zoom. Uh, no, unfortunately, we still cover <laughs> crimes, scams, and all of that. And this is where some problems started surfacing our boy barry had some problems getting credit from banks because he was so young and other adults wouldn't take him seriously so kind of you know i mean imagine like a kid in a suit walking into a bank like hi i would like some money please i also don't like to be like a child like just like with like the tie not even tied correctly 
Yeah. I would like some millions. They'd be like, are there other two kids on your shoulders somewhere? Like, where are they? <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, he also wanted to be more of an imposing figure physically. So he started weight training. I guess because he's like, you know what? I can't change my age, but I can change my looks to be a man. Hmm. Okay. And also, you know, weight training. I feel like that probably is a good skill for carpet cleaning. You know, those those vacuums are heavy. Uh, he said he bench pressed 400 pounds every day and wrote it in his book that he won competitions competing against the best lifters in the state of California. 400 pounds is an insane amount. That is so much. Like an amount that's like... Suspicious. suspicious and very suspicious because in reality, people who worked out with him were like, he was benching like 275, which I would brag about doing that. It's great. Yeah. I would brag about doing half of that. Yeah, literally. So like, sir, take the wins. He also had mm, some money problems. Despite business booming, being on Oprah, Eleonora Mandarin, one of Barry's high school friends who worked at Zbest said that within six months, the company started having payroll issues. Mm. Uh-oh. And um, I feel anybody listening who, you know, works, just works. Payroll's kind of an important part of a company. At this time, Barry was accused in L.A. Superior Court of stealing and forging $13,000 in money orders from a local liquor store who he claimed was investing in the business. Also, he's like, he's, I, I would love if at any point of this, like his defense was just like, I'm just a baby. <laughs> I'm just a kid. <laughs> I don't know. Barry denied this, and the case was settled out of court without Barry admitting to any wrongdoing. And then in late 1984, early 1985, Zbest was using customer credit cards to rack up $72,000 in fraudulent charges. Mm. Oh, no, 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 no. Barry blamed some subcontractors, fired them, and paid back the money. Nice save, sir. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and maybe because Barry wasn't taken seriously by banks, he got involved with Jack M. Catalan Jr., a major L.A. organized crime figure with ties to mafia families in Chicago and Philly. You got the entire, you got East, West, Mid right there. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, he turned to Catalan for financial assistance. You know, sometimes you just need to go to the... A crime figure to be like, so what do I do with my 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 zeros? I don't know. This was kind of surprised me because I wasn't expecting it. Catalan actually sued him in civil court, saying he got loans for him in exchange for 50% of the business, but Minkov refused to pay him his share of the profits. Yeah, you don't want to do that with the mob. No. <laughs> like yikes. No. Never. I am almost done with the Sopranos. I am an expert. Oh, in both the mob and New Jersey. Yes. Uh, Actually, there was a scene that they filmed um, in my town. Oh, I was very excited. Wait, okay, full moment. I got too excited for that. <laughs> Brian was like, uh. "You're like, hey, everybody!" You like knock on your neighbor's doors, right? <laughs> like, where were we? Um, <laughs> Barry, for his part, said that he did pay uh, Catan, and the interest rates were illegally high. Uh, two to five percent a week, uh, which like I lol. Yeah, one thing the mob isn't known for is low interest yeah, rates. And also, like, <laughs> I feel people now would like love a two. Well, I guess maybe not for a loan, but like a two to five. That's actually well, not a week. Oh, but that's true. Annually, annually, please. Yes. Oh my god, give me that shit. Mortgage rates higher, <laughs> highest since year two thousand. What is happening? 
Yeah. Yikes. Our our mob boy ended up being convicted of counterfeiting in November 1986, but died in February 1987 before he could be sentenced. We don't, we're not, I'm not going to touch that coincidence at all. Uh, police believe Barry getting involved with him was the beginning of the end because they thought that the mafia started circling like sharks once they realized who he was in with. Hmm. So next, the mob infiltrates. So a lot of like crime figures alleged, I suppose, start getting involved. One of them is Maurice Rind, who started working with Z-Best. He was convicted of stock fraud twice in the 70s. And he served as Barry's confidant and helped the company acquire the $2 million in assets they needed in order to qualify for a listing on the stock market. Now, Ryan, however, said he didn't do anything illegal. So keep that in mind. That's a good save when everybody, I was like, I did nothing illegal. Yeah. Yeah. So fast forward, it's late 1985. Barry is balling. He buys a home in a gated community in Woodland Hills for almost $700,000. And this uh, home had a pool with a huge Z on the bottom. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And he also bought a red Ferrari with the license plate. Four Z's, basically Z best. It was Z Z Z Z B S T. So shouts out to that. And then he also bought his girlfriend, who was nineteen Uh-oh. at the time, a black Porsche. So I'm like, what is she doing with so that? So much to unpack with that. Yeah, no. Uh, so then Z best goes public on the stock market on January twentieth, nineteen eighty six. It did this by merging with a shell corporation called Morningstar Investments. So at this point, ZBS had four offices and was reporting $2 million worth of sales like just before this in 1985. Barry was kind of an unconventional boss. He would take calls on speakerphone during meetings, which is a crime. Yeah. It's got to be a crime. And also a power and move. And he also wore sweats Ooh. and a power move. Double power move right yeah. there. Honestly, shout out to sweats. Like, let's like make that office <laughs> uniform. Yeah, he was ahead of his time there. Um, but he also threw a swanky company party in June 1986 at the Beverly Hills Hotel for 350 people. So interesting. And they also threw this like swank Christmas party. Um, that's because on December 9th, Zbest had sold $13.2 million worth of stock and warrants to the public, which uh, prosecutors would later allege was based on false revenue reports. But these parties were very nice and fancy, but also apparently no fun. (laughs) Barry never drank and didn't allow employees under 21 to drink either, which makes sense because that is the law. And he also made employees take a drug test. Narc. Narc, yeah. Apparently, Barry had posters of himself put up around the office that said, posters of himself, first of all, I just feel I need to emphasize. yes. That said, my act is clean. How's yours? Uh, <laughs> How's yours? Okay, sorry. That's so fucking weird. Like, I feel like it's like all those reading posters that would you would be up around your library, you know, where you're just like, what is this? Oh, yes. With like a cat. I, I literally was just picturing the cat one. Yes. Yes. The cat. Is like a kitten dreaming of being a tiger and it's like dream wow. big or some shit. I don't know. Did I have that poster in my room? Probably. <laughs> I got it at the Scholastic Book Fair. Oh, the place where like, I'm like, that was where like, I'm like, money exchanging, everything like that. I did not know what anything was. Yes. 
No, where dreams came true. <laughs> Um, okay, but so you know Barry had this poster that was like, I don't do drugs. In fact, actually, um, the lady doth protest too much because in fact he used cocaine and gave money for his employees to buy it too. Uh-huh. So I wonder if it was if he's like, um, no, but you don't use that. You're just like, it's just there. And if you just like you're like, how did that happen? <laughs> Like they'll never suspect. Oh, yeah, they'll never suspect you, the guy who made posters about himself not doing drugs famously does a drug. Any person who's ever been around somebody on cocaine, you never think they're on it, right? Wink, wink. It's like yeah, someone yeah, like, they're like, no, I'm totally cool. sweating, jumping in a corner, being like, yeah. "Is it bright in my lungs?" And I'm like, I, "Go home." Barry also donated tens of thousands each to Narcanon and Narcanon International. Also, L.A. Mothers Against Drunk Driving, West Valley YMCA, basically like donating to all these anti-drug mm-hmm. organizations. Also randomly spent 30 grand to landscape um, a girls softball league field. <laughs> so for sure. Okay. So he was giving back to the people is what I'm trying to say. And then he also like networked at this gym because we talked about how he was like pumping some iron and he met people who would later be named in the indictment against him. And that, my friends, is why you do not socialize at the gym. <laughs> 2,000% or maybe even one more. That's why I just don't go. <laughs> I don't go. Come on. Nah. I'll take you on further. <laughs> so one, one of the men he met at the gym was Thomas G. Paget, who owned the insurance firm Interstate Appraisal Services of Culver City, and this company would give Z-Best contracts to repair fire or water damage to large buildings, which is a lot of business. But basically, this was a Ponzi scheme, and they would just be shoveling money from one enterprise to the other. And allegedly, a lot of these insurance contracts were just fake. So meanwhile, there was this other associate, Daniel Kraupman, who owned Cornwell Tools, and he had paperwork that seemed to show that this company gave millions of dollars in equipment for Z-Best. And finally, there was another guy, Kenneth Moore, an accountant who was in charge of the insurance. So keep this in mind. They're running some kind of scheme. It's about to collapse like a house of cards. Like a house of cards or like a game of giant Jenga at a beach bar in the summer. So the beginning of 1987, Things start going a little south. But you wouldn't know it because Barry is doing these huge commercials promising people I'll guarantee the work and price in writing. It's convincing. The business is doing okay, but most of the work is coming from very bogus insurance restoration jobs. Almost so much to say. Like, in fact, actually about 90% of the jobs just simply didn't exist. But Barry said he was strong-armed into doing it by these mob bosses he was in cahoots with. So Zbest announced one $13.8 million Dallas job that insurance restoration experts would say has been the largest ever at that time, which like, yeah, not surprising. Damn. Damn, Dallas. The announcement, because you know when people say things like this, the announcement caused that stock price to shoot all the way up. And then on April 16th, Barry announced Zbest would buy KeyServe Group, 
a competitor that made $80 million cleaning carpets for Sears customers. Now, getting in with Sears, that's a big, that's like a big um, bucket. This is notable because ZBest was much smaller, like half the size. And the deal was supposed to save ZBest and help the company stay legit. But you know that time when, you know, um, how we talked about Oprah earlier? Yeah. On April 27th, <laughs> yeah, uh, Barry went on Oprah and it kind of was a, a flop, should we call it? Uh-oh. Oh, flop city. Uh, in early May, Barry spent hundreds of thousands flying in 600 key surf employees and their spouses for a three-day retreat. You invite people, three-day little getaway with a plus one, you start to win them back. They're like, okay, I'm wined and I'm dined. Yeah, I, I would easily be oh, one. Oh, <laughs> my God. You can be, yes. But on May 22nd, the LA Times published reports of ZBet's credit card issues circa the past two years, 1984, 1985, and the stock took a nosedive. It also came out that some of the major restoration jobs ZBet's claims they had done <laughs> were just simply made up. So, I mean, like, you lie on your cover letter, of course, but not to this extent. You can't lie to your shareholders. No. Sharing is caring. That's the problem. I feel like if you're a private company, not that you can like continue scamming people, but you can get away with it oh, for longer. Yeah, you can. Yeah, 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 exactly. So all of that to say is that on June 1st, ZBest investment banker quit. And then he was followed by the auditor. So that's not a good sign. No, the key serve deal was in big trouble because those are two people. It's like they're, if they tap out, everyone's kind of like, so what the fuck is this company? So Barry starts getting loans. He got a $1 million loan from a ZBest board member and then later in June got a $2 million loan from Prudential Bach using his ZBest stock as collateral. According to authorities, he actually had a personal relationship with a woman hmm, at Prudential Bach who gave him a post-dated check, which he cashed in Vegas. Romantic. Prosecutors also allege that he took like eight, 116,000 from ZBest Treasury. So he's kind of just like scrambling all around town hoping for something. <laughs> and one of those somethings was a last ditch attempt to save the KeyServe deal, looping in Sears. And it seemed to be going well. But on July 2nd, Barry suddenly resigned, saying he had ulcers. Six days later, ZBest filed for bankruptcy. Then the board sued him for $25 million, alleging fraud and theft. We get into a lot of numbers from here on out that I'm like, is that a real amount of money? Because it just seems so much. On August 7th, Barry declared bankruptcy. Smart move, because I don't really know what other move he would have. From the LA Times, Herb Wallace, the bankruptcy trustee assigned to help process creditors' claims, said there is between $23 million and $30 million not accounted for. Yikes. Ooh, baby. Yikes. So, yeah, eventually Barry gets indicted on fraud charges along with 11 other people. In December 1988, he's convicted of 57 counts. Oh. For, and this is what the LA Times calls it, for masterminding a sophisticated securities swindle that propelled his firm into a hot Wall Street commodity. And he was accused of defrauding investors of $50 million. This is from the New York Times. The indictment by a federal grand jury contends that Mr. Minko and three associates set up dummy companies, wrote phony invoices, paid a $20,000 bribe to an accountant, and conducted tours of purported contract sites to ensure the success of a public offering of ZBest stock. So, yeah, they were trying to make it legit so that they could 
sell like the stock would mm-hmm. the stock price would be good. In trial, Barry pleaded not guilty, admitting he did play a role in the fraud, but said he had no choice due to the mob threatening him. So even though he described to the jurors being beaten and even held under running water until he threw up blood, it was still kind of a tall order to get them to believe that he was in constant fear of his life over a period of multiple years and had no opportunities to get out. Because it doesn't help with like lavish retreats, the pools, everything like that. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So yes, because ultimately those types of things and his drug use came back to haunt him. And also the judge didn't allow his attorneys to present certain evidence about the mob figures. Um, So because of that, he was accused of masterminding the whole thing. So eventually he was convicted and sentenced to 25 years in prison, five years probation, $26 million in restitution he was ordered to pay. And a partridge on a pear tray. He ended up serving a little under seven and a half years in prison. Like, wow. What happened? How? I don't know. But then he kind of made like our girl Brittany Dawn because he became a born again Christian in prison. And this was pre-influencer days. So he did the next thing, which is become a pastor. Wow. That's so real. That's so true. He was like, I can't be, I can't TikTok front face video being a self-help person. So I got to just go, I got to go full, I got to go full pastor. (laughs) It's funny because this could be the episode, but there's more. There is so much more. So we are going to have to do a little to be continued on this moment because otherwise we would be here for 72 hours. 72 hours. And uh, we, we need to, I feel like I need to like, gather myself to get in because his next steps baby boy's making a church so just that's the little tease (laughs) also just wanted to say because i forgot to say this up top um we got most of our info from the la times some from the new york times and we put our sources in the episode notes as well also some fbi press releases so there's that and the san diego tribune but that's most of where our sources are from yes we got sources we got time with our times but yeah uh any thoughts you guys have on part one uh let us know in the facebook group not in the true crime group and you could you could follow us on instagram and not another true crime and you can follow me at sarah lameem follow me at cashmere dana cashmere the k and we will be back next week sarah with uh, some more continuation Not Another True Crime Podcast is produced by Jorge Morales-Pico, Sean Kilby, and Rebecca Sosmacat. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Social media by Sarah Levine. Be sure to follow at Not Another True Crime on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send all of your emails to natc at betches.com. Betches.